Hello beautiful people and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls One Doc. One Doc. It's your girl BD. It's Florence the fiance. And we are back with another episode. Zach. Yeah. Two Girls One Doc. Um I am in fact drinking today. Guess what I'm drinking? This one says she's not in a yawning mood. Look at her yawning like Yeah, because you made man. me in a yawning mood. Guess what I'm drinking? I have n- no clue what you're drinking. Tell me. Asti. Moscato. Oh. That's really been my bag of, of late. I just know that your insides are begging for water. I mean, it's so funny that you say that because the drinking of Asti does not negate the drinking of water. Like, two things can be true. I can be drinking water and also Asti. Like, I don't drink Asti at work, unfortunately. Okay. Um, Time will tell. Okay. Bowel movements will tell. <laughs> okay. So, this documentary that we are doing today is called Catching a Predator. You can find it on BBC, uh, I think also on YouTube. I don't know, BBC documentaries always seem to end up on YouTube, but... Yeah, uh, and before we get into it, I'm going to just do a trigger warning of rape, sexual assault, attempted rape, just a man being trash, right? Basically, every trigger warning that men produce. Yeah, like, honestly, this man is really, really trash. Trigger warning men. Right, yeah. Trigger uh, well, warning I'll say man, banks. This, this particular man. Um, But yeah, so this documentary opens up with a phone call to the police. Uh, It's the 2nd of June, 2017. So this is fairly recent. Like This was only four years ago. Um, So we hear the phone call, but the person's voice is distorted. He's basically saying that last night he thinks a guy took him to his house and he didn't want to go. He suspects that this guy put something in his drink, but he's not sure. He can't prove this. Um... And he he feels like he was at his house for most of the night and this guy attempted to rape him. And he's still there at the time that he's making this phone call. And this happened in Manchester on Montana House, which is on Princess Street. Um, And I mentioned this at the end of the last episode that it's based in Manchester. For anyone who's new here, I went to uni in Manchester. Love that city, great memories, great vibes. It made me think of you and one other person. Yeah, we don't speak of the other person, so it made you think of me. But yeah, so it was like Manchester is like my favourite city. Love it. Honestly, great memories there. And it's just weird, like this documentary, that these bad things are happening in a place that you're so fond of. And even like Princess Street, like anyone who went uni in Manchester is like has been on Princess Street before. Do you know what I mean? It's very like, oh, mate, like these things are actually happening in places that you have been to and are aware of. I mean, I don't Crazy think I was in any danger because happening. I'm definitely not his type. But, you know, yeah. yeah. I just sang a bit of Thames. I think you missed it. You did what? I sang a bit of Thames, like, I think you missed it. Oh, I did definitely miss it. There's so many yeah, things that you like, say that I don't things hear. things are happening. Oh, yeah, they sure are. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So this guy, um, the guy who called the police, is like, oh, I know it's a bit violent, but I've had to hit him a few times to stop him from attacking me. And I was like, yes, bitch, defend your motherfucking self. Like, you better. Literally, like, he beats him the fuck up. Like, he beats him to a pulp and uh, leaves his house. Like, he leaves the flat. Um, we see actually see CCTV of this guy and the guy who gets beaten up going into the flat, like, before the whole rape thing occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, his face is blurred. You can't see him, but you can see the face of the other guy. Um, and we also see, coincidentally, the CCTV of the ambulance, like, carrying the guy out on the stretcher. <laughs> like, And this whole thing is, like, a visual representation of, like, you pick the wrong one. Like, Literally. He's nearly unconscious when they find him. He's in a pool of his, his own blood. Like, we see pictures from the crime scene, and there's a lot of blood. Like, there's blood, right? Yeah. So we meet this detective, and he's the only male detective that we meet, and I didn't actually get his name. I don't know if that was a subconscious, I hate men, but I didn't actually write down what his name was. Did you know his name? No. No, okay, well, he's a cool guy. Like, he does his job, he does it well. He's Mr. White Male. Yeah, he reminds me of, um, I don't know if you watched um, Line of Duty, uh, Steve Arnott. He's very Steve Arnott. Like, he is very Steve Arnott. Like, that's the vibe, yeah. And I think, okay. what is it? Oh, I don't think it's based in Manchester, but, like, basically everywhere in, in Line of Duty, like, people are from all over the UK. That's it's a Line of Duty with the sexy guy from Game of Thrones. I'm I, mistaken. I, I watched Game of Thrones, like, the first I know you didn't watch it, but maybe it. you would have known by somebody saying, like, oh, it's the I don't. I don't know. 
So, yeah, so this detective, I'm going to call him Steve Arnott, he tells us that they arrest the guy for assault. So the guy who called and beat up the other guy, they actually arrest him um, for assault. The accounts are conflicting. Um, the guy is basically saying, listen, like, he was about to rape me, so I beat him up. <laughs> and the other guy is beaten up. So it kind of looks like this guy's just been beaten up. And so because one is yeah. bloodied and one is not, like, I guess the one who was beaten up looks like a victim, right? Um, and so, like, it's hard enough, we know this, it's hard enough to prove that you've been raped, let alone prove attempted rape. So we have a guy in hospital and we have a guy saying he was about to be raped. Like, how do you even begin to prove that? So yeah. um, Steve Arnott calls um, Manchester Royal Infirmary, which is the hospital that they've taken this guy to. And the people there are like the nurses and stuff are like, yeah, like he's alive or whatever. But he keeps asking about his phone, which is a very strange thing to do. Like you are knocking at yeah. this door and you are worried about your phone like... That's very, very strange. Like, do you know what I mean? You were attacked as an innocent man, supposedly, and what you want to know is, where is your phone? Like, that is very... Where my phone at? Literally, very strange behaviour. Um, and this guy is very, very stupid because he tells them, like, the police and stuff to get the phone. And so then they get him the phone and then he's, like, trying to, like, take the phone from them when they ask for the pin. Like, they're trying to get rid of the phone. Because now they're suspicious because they're like, why do you want your phone so bad? Obviously, I feel like he shouldn't have asked. If he had never asked, he could have wiped his... This, all of this stems down to, anyway, let's, we'll get into it later on, but this is a very stupid man and I'm very happy that he's very stupid because, like, yeah. if not, who knows? Who knows? This story would have ended very differently. Yeah. It may not even have ended, to be fair. But, um, so yeah, he's trying to take the phone from there. Imagine you're, you've been beaten to a pulp, you're in a hospital bed. The policeman is alive and well and trying to, like, take the phone and you're trying to, like, wrestle the phone from the policeman. Like, can you even see where you're reaching for, like? Make it make sense. Make it make sense, honestly. So they look at his phone, they look at the photos app, because the guy is basically, Steve Arnott is basically like, obviously, this guy has something to hide. If you have something to hide mm. on your phone, where are we going to look? Like, your photos, clearly, that's where all mm. the shit is, yeah. Uh, and so they they see the last three, like, thumbnails are videos. I watched about five seconds of the very last one, and that showed the bedroom at Montana House that had been in the previous day. It showed uh, a male who was generally clothed, um, but had had his um, um, uh, trousers pulled down to around his ankles. Another male entered the, the frame um, and approached the male on the floor, and I recognised that as the person in front of me. Um, and this basically shows that, like, the guy who called the police was telling the truth, and the one who'd been taken to hospital was, like, the bad guy and he even says he's like oh i'm such a terrible person it's like yes you fucking are a terrible person yeah we find out that the scum of the earth Hmm? said you're the scum of the earth he literally is the scum of the earth honestly and we find out this guy is called reynard sinaga just some any guy like some any i tell you like very unassuming a non-threatening looking man just some any guy I was literally thinking, like, he could... If I worked with him, I'd be like, oh, like, my gay best friend. Yeah, he literally... Like, yeah. if I was alone in the streets in the nighttime, yeah, in heels, right, in uncomfortable heels, and this guy approached me or was across the street, I don't think I would feel a way... Okay, cool, you should feel a At certain all. kind of way because it's a man, but I wouldn't feel that... That's I'm just like, I'm sure I could take him, like, honestly. Like, yeah. he, he... And I guess, yeah, he very unassuming he's an indonesian student from a wealthy background he's lived in manchester for 10 years we meet another one of the detectives her name is natalie mcdonald so she's interviewing him and we we hear the interview just to remind you that you are under caution for an offense of rape what can you tell me in relation to that offense i i i deny delegation of the rape okay and it's like, okay, you can deny it all you like, sir, but, like, there's literally video evidence on your phone so yeah. that you recorded, you know? Um, they ask him about this particular incident, so with the guy that beat him up. Um, we learned that this wasn't actually his first victim later on, but this is the first victim to us in the documentary. Yeah. Uh, we don't get anything about him, his name or nothing, so that's why we're just, like, referring to him like this. So um, Reynard Sinaga is saying that him and the guy met and the guy suggested they go back to his house and he puts his hand on his thigh, he's kind of, like, you know, touching him. And he's like, oh, you know, some guys are gay, um, but they look straight. And some guys are curious. So he kind of thought that the guy was moving to him. And he's like, yeah, we did sex. 
which was very bore out of him, in my personal opinion. Mm. <laughs> I was like, okay. You make the sex. You make the sex. <laughs> and- my brother Bailo. <laughs> break the cage. <laughs> <laughs> what a time to be alive <laughs> what a fucking time. I will never forget first watching that movie I watched it in the cinema you know <laughs> I make this cheese from the milk of my wife's teeth um, oh. so he no made... I just sorry sorry. I just remember the bit when him and that guy were fighting and they were naked <laughs> like when it came on the screen the screen my mum screamed Did you watch what? Me do... no no yeah I watched it with my parents my dad was like so pissed off by the time I finished my mum you know my mum can be a bit crude <laughs> We watched that naked fighting scene like three times. That is so funny. It was just the thing about Borat was that it was just so ridiculous. Like, where it was do you even so ridiculous. go from here? Like, you can't. Like, I don't even understand why people were mad at it because it's like clearly this is just he, stupidity. Nah. Like, how yeah. can you be offended like this by something so nonsense, so stupidish, like, nonsensical nonsense? Like, it's very ridiculous. Oh, I need to go back and watch Borat actually. Um, so yeah, Reynard Sonaga is basically saying that they were both drunk. Um, they were both drunk, basically saying that like they were in the same state. They were both consenting and like a bit waved and he wanted to record it to feel sensual. Um, and then he's like, suddenly the guy wanted to leave. Um, and so he takes, um, Reynard Sonaga's phone thinking it's his phone and then starts beating him up. Uh, so that is the story and he's sticking to it, right? He's basically playing the victim when he was in fact the rapist. Like, it's very, very, very strange. And you see the interview and you see him talking and you just want to slap him. You're just kind of like, can you shut the fuck up? Like, you're really wasting my time. Dirty slap. I don't know how how the detectives, like, deal with stuff. Yeah, because there's so many times I've watched these things and I'm like, I I would definitely have slapped them. Oh, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. So the next talking head slash detective we meet is called Dorothy Orr, and she works in the rape unit. Um, she tells us that uh, Sanaga's phone is submitted for forensic investigation, which can take ages, right? Separate to that, they find a lot of driving licenses and passports at his house that are not his, right? It's not as if they all have a picture of him and they're different names. No, they are not his. They are actual people yeah. who are not him. And again... Imagine you'd like, you'd, now you've lost your driver's licence, so you have to go make another it's one. It's just so... It literally... I literally was thinking that. I was like, rah, like... And also, your driving licence has your address on it. Like, that's actually quite scary to think that your card is just there with your picture, your name, your date of birth, and where you live, like... Just somewhere. Yes, wild. So I think all of us here who watch crime documentaries can ascertain that he's keeping these things as trophies. And it's like, why would you need a trophy if a crime has not yet been committed? Like, you know? Um, so what Dorothy's really telling us is that they saw evidence that there were possibly other victims. Um, but because they could only hold Sanaga for 24 hours after arresting him, they had to focus on gathering evidence against him for this one particular offence, So, which is the one we first spoke about with the guy that beat him up. Mm-hmm. So um, the detectives believe that Sanaga drugged this guy. And we find out this guy's only 18 years old. And then yeah. we find out that that 18 years old that he is, is 16 years younger than Sanaga. So Sanaga is 34 at this time. That he is okay, raping an eighteen-year-old. That wasn't quick maths. I actually calculated but I can't, before I'm written I can't lie. Sanaga is looking good for his age. Yeah, I That's mean he's thirty-four. Though. He looks it's very young. Different. Yeah, but how? I mean, he looks same. He looks young and same. He looks good for his age are two different things. Like at thirty-four, how old do you? Like how old are you supposed to look? Oh, excuse me. Are you are you thinking about all the demographics here? Because no, 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 I always no, no, base no, no, it on no, that no. demographic. I'm saying you can look bad for your age. That's for sure. But as a 34-year-old, how do you look good for you? It's like saying you look good for a 10-year-old. Like you're supposed to look young because at 34. Because the, demogra- the general de- demographic in this country, they don't look that way at 34. Yeah, they look, so based they off look of bad that, he does, he for does look good. I, he does look good for his age. He looks but good either- relative to the average 34-year-old here, is what you're saying. Which is good for his age. I don't know. I, just I mean, feel- obviously, if he goes if he goes back to Indonesia, he then he probably just looks like an average 34-year-old. But relative to those around him... Maybe, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's relative to... I just don't think a 34-year-old, obviously, demographically speaking, it looks... It's going to look bad. Either way, he does, He looks 18. He looks young, is basically, yeah, what I would say. I would say that he, he looks, looks 18. Young. I mean, but he's not 18, and so he doesn't have the mind of an 18-year-old. So him being 34... No, 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 of course and... not, but he could pass for, like, a first-year student, in my eyes. He looks young. Yeah. And he has, like, a... a childish, childish, boyish... Yeah. Yeah, way about like him. Like, a lot of his pictures are very, like, Bebo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally. Like, have like, like, a hotel, like... <laughs> I had this flashback to, like, when I was, like, 15, 16 on MSN. And, like, this guy convinced us he was, like, Chris Brown. And, like, I really believed it. Like, literally, it's it's actually... Every day Everybody I just had think there one was of so those many... things. 
You never had what? I said everybody had one of those things. There was one girl I know I that I was friends with, and she literally said to us that she was dating this guy, yeah? And she showed us the picture, and it was Lil Romeo. I'm not lying to you. It was Lil Romeo. And we Wait, literally were like, no, this a... is Lil Romeo. Like, this is actually Lil Romeo. And she was like, no. This reminds me of Catfish. He's my boyfriend. Woman I said, was sure she was dating Bow Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but that was recent though as in that was too recent for it to have been like somebody tweeted and they were like the annoying thing about catfish is they don't even be doing like anything spectacular to uncover the truth it's just like google reverse image like you yeah. can really do this yeah and you could have saved yourself the embarrassment girl i was sure i was talking to chris brown he was like yeah when um because you know he had that take you down concert yeah so he was like oh yeah take like, you down really- times you know <laughs> Um, because that's the last time he was in the UK performing. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to um, get you um, tickets. Say tickets? I'm going to get you tickets backstage. We can finally meet, like, everything I've ever dreamt of. And then I, like, it, I was like to him, oh, like, the tickets never came. He was like, oh, just buy a normal ticket. And then... <laughs> But you know what is so funny to me about these people? Like, what do you gain from doing this? Like, what do you actually Fam, gain? we're never meeting. So what do you fucking gain? <laughs> what do you actually one gain? time, like, after I've discovered that, obviously, that wasn't fucking Chris Brown. <laughs> then there was another time I was talking to someone else and he was like, yeah, I'm Chris Brown's cousin. And then, like, sometimes we'd be typing and, like, messaging. And then he'd be like, oh, um, I'm going to get Chris Brown to come in tight, like, talk to you. And then, like, Chris Brown would come and, like, <laughs> message. And I don't know what I thought was happening because... <laughs> it wasn't even FaceTime, so it was just like the same person. Is that just somebody typing what typing in red instead, or what was it? <laughs> no, I'm so sorry, but sometimes I just think it's a miracle that like I'm still alive because the amount of nonsense honestly, I fell for. Honestly. No. I don't know how you're still here, but we thank God. We really do. We thank God. So how do we get here? Sanaga, yeah, he looks mad young. Yeah. And he does give that kind of... Be like, he poses like, you know, and he just has yeah. like spiky hair and it's like, you know, I don't know. It's just... Like, he would have had Britney Spears as his song on MySpace. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of gay he is. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, exactly. Um, So he, the guy, um, the 18-year-old guy, he can't really recall much. He just, you know, remembers that he passed out, um, which makes sense because like all of a sudden there's a blackout. So it makes sense that he was spiked, right? So they show um, Sanaga the video of base of him raping this, I mean, almost child, right? And he's crying. Say Sanaga is crying, saying, mm-hmm. "No, he's awake. He's awake. Look, you can see him. He's moved there." Like, he, and the detectives, <laughs> the detectives are like, "No, like, he's moving because you you're raping him, and that's the movement. Like, he's not moving out of his own volition or his own accord." But I genuinely do feel that like Sanaga doesn't believe he raped these people. Yeah. I do actually believe that he doesn't think he did. Like, I think he doesn't believe what he did, like, was wrong. That's why yeah. he had that reaction. Yeah. I think he thinks that, like, it's fine. I mean, I think that he definitely knows that he did something wrong. Mm. Because there's a difference between, like, I don't know, he, he was very active in the... Okay, let's... We'll get into everything and we can discuss this more later. Yeah. Um... So it's really sad for this victim, the 18-year-old guy. Um, he doesn't actually think he's been raped because, you know, he calls the police and he says, you know, I think he was about to rape me, right? Yeah. Um, but then the videos on on Sanaga's phone actually show that he has been raped at least three times during that evening. Oh. And so, like, Natalie kind of has to tell him, like, what's happened. And it's just so, 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 so sad because it's just kind of like, oh, like... like he would you, if it was you, God forbid, would you want to know? No. No, no, and we get into that. They do either. discuss that later, but no, I wouldn't want to know. I think ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Um, but they charge Sanaga with um, rape on the fifth of June. So this is three days after he gets beaten up. I'm sure that he's still bruised and battered and stuff. And I'm glad. I hope he can still, still taste limping. blood in his mouth. I just love how quickly this was addressed and uh, and dealt with. Did you see him in the like Mickey Mouse shirt? He just, I don't know what's wrong with him. Right, like, that's so like, weird. That's what I'm saying, but then part of me is like, oh, like, you know, maybe he's just a bit childish or underdeveloped or something. But no, he's been a student for like 10 years. He's done a master's and he's, he's doing, doing a He's doing a fucking PhD. He's not, he's not a stupid man. Do you know what I mean? Like, they arrest him and they realise, okay, do you know what? Like, we've actually unearthed something quite huge here. Like, yeah, cool, we've got him on this charge, but like, there is more to this. This is like the tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah. Um, That ruined the Titanic. So... They find memory cards. <laughs> they find hard drive. Jack. <laughs> Jack. It's so funny because I've never seen it, but hey. 
Oh my god. We can watch it when you, you know, come. I don't want to say anything because I keep like forgetting if it's the Dream Girls or Titanic you haven't watched. It's Titanic. So, yeah. Okay, I've we'll seen watch Dream Titanic Girls. when you come. When yeah, I come. Watch Titanic when, like, when you come, yeah. So there's loads of like phones, like mobile phones, like hella mobile phones. And we find out there's this unsolved rape that's been reported the April before Sonaga was arrested. So Sonaga's arrested in June. This um case, this rape is reported in April. And a colleague had been working on it. I think there were like similarities. So they kind of brought her in to kind of, you know, investigate it and mm-hmm. stuff. And I think it's good to point out here that this is why I feel like it's um good to report things like from harassment to assault not because they always investigate things as they should which is obviously unfortunate but because sometimes like you having reported something can help to buttress a future um case a past case a current case where it kind of just like is another nail in the coffin for an abuser do you know what i mean Um, i mean it's easier said than done i know not everybody feels like they want to report there's any point reporting but there's so many times you see a case and it's like one person who reported something ages ago or recently for a case um helped a case ages ago or a more recent case you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so um the next uh detective that we meet and i only started clocking that they had their dci ds and stuff at this point so this lady is ds kimberly hames evans um but i don't know this this um case kind of reinforces how i feel about british police because it's like they never solve anything unless it's like landed in their lap with all the evidence yeah that's just how i feel like not that americans are better than us or anything but if it was in america like like they would have connected the dots and done this and done that like this one is like oh like the case literally just landed in their lab yeah. with the file open and all the evidence there. I feel like if this hadn't happened, they never would have caught this guy. Yeah, I think so too. I, and I, it's not even that yet. I think that even if this had happened and, you know, he'd been beaten up and everything, yeah, if he had not been so antsy with his phone, I don't think they would they have would, found yeah. anything. Oh, because it's just he said, he said. Like, there's no, what, oh, what are you going to say? And one person tea. has been beaten to a pulp. Literally, all they do is drink tea, go to the cafe and, like... I don't know what else they do, but that's it. Like, fucking hell, mate. <laughs> so, uh, Kimberly, she tells us that uh, men reporting rape is very rare. Um, this is basically her first male rape case. Um, yeah, basically. Yeah. So this guy, this guy, the second guy that we uh, are discussing now, he was on a bar on Princess Street. And he wakes up in a place he doesn't know. He can't remember how he got there. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been this drunk before where, like, you are somewhere... I was talking about it with my colleague today. Yeah, huh? And I was talking about it with my colleague, like, I've only ever been blackout drunk once. Same. I And funny enough, for me, it was in Manchester. It was actually, oh. it was actually very strange because, like, I was out and, like, yeah. it was a great time. And I, I, was, I was there, I was with it, yeah? And I mm. remember leaving the club. I remember getting in the car. And then there was blackout. And then I remember getting out of the car and then I wake up and I'm in my bed. And then I wake up and I'm in my bed and I'm just like, oh my goodness, where are my house keys? I was so concerned that I had lost my house keys. Yeah. But then I was like, obviously you're in your house, sis. Like, do you use your keys to get inside your house or your yeah. keys are here somewhere? Like, and then I was were like, you, oh, okay. Were you with Bestie? Uh, what? Oh, no, no. Oh, this was so... Yes, yeah, so I was like, yeah, we'd gone out that night and like I literally woke up in my bed and I was just like, even eyelash I didn't remove normally like I'm a very good drunk like if I'm I never get drunk drunk I'm always very aware of my surroundings I'm always very aware of my where my belongings are and like Mm. I always take out my contact lenses and take off my eyelashes like my contacts are coming out do you know what I mean no matter how drunk Mm. I am Mm. but that night like literally I woke up my eyelash was just I couldn't yeah I couldn't even recover them they were so bent (laughs) no mine was my 25th and please if you're listening to this and you attended feel free to like fill in any of the gaps all I remember was like... Was this one at your house? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't remember you being that drunk. Oh, do you not remember my speech? No. Maybe I was drunk. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you probably were drunk or something. Um, <laughs> I even remember, like, some... They were doing, like... They were playing, like, Truth or Dare, and somebody said something something about, like, a threesome, and I was like, yeah, I'm down. And then that <laughs> Uncle K guy had to, like, pull me to the corner, and he was like, hey, 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 save yourself. <laughs> No, okay, all I remember at my 25th was there were just, like, these spots of, like, that I remember. I remember Lipsin being on the stairs. Oh, I remember that. Lipsin standing <laughs> in the hallway, and then I woke up in my bed. And I also remember waking up and thinking, because, like, my house, we, um, 
we have like an alarm we lock our door like when we like there are a lot of like nightly things we do mm-hmm. to like shut down and i remember waking up and being like oh my gosh what if i left the door open i'm sure they've come in and robbed us blind <laughs> blah, blah. but obviously like my wife abena took good care of the house that day she shut everything locked up everything and it was fine that's when i was like yeah i really i mean i always knew i had good friends but i was like i have really really good friends because i left my friends here with guests and i i probably went upstairs i had no clue how i like i didn't even i didn't even realize when you disappeared you know you were you were probably drunk yeah that's true look at me trying to act like i was i was a chaperone fam that you were sober (laughs) like oh yeah like yeah you were with it Probably went somewhere to sleep first one round. It's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> one thing I will do is sleep. <laughs> sleep. How did we get here? Yeah. So yeah. So basically, like yeah, he literally was so drunk that like, he blacked out, and then um he wakes up in this place that he doesn't know. And but then he starts to have flashbacks and he remembers being um anally penetrated. Right. Oh, that's horrible. Flashbacks, like it must be such a mind fuck because it's like, did this happen? Like, why, like, why, like, because it's not like it's a dream. It's like, I don't know yeah. if you ever had, like, flashbacks before where you're kind of just like, did this, oh, okay, okay. Okay, right, so. I literally, literally, like, those flashbacks are shit because it was even after the list came out, yeah, mm. then I realised that, like, yeah, like, I had, I was drunk and I was, like, once sexually assaulted, but at the time, I didn't even clock. Yeah. Like, I was getting flashbacks, but I was like, oh. What? Like one no. plus one does not equal two. Yeah, yeah. Definitely when the list came out one. and some people were like telling their stories, I was like, oh no, yeah, that was actually sexual assault. Like, that's yeah. fucking crazy. It's wild. It's like yeah. retrospectively, you're like, fuck. And then you're like, yeah. oh, can I even feel this way? Um, am I even allowed to feel this way? Because like, because especially because like it was a friend. Mm-hmm. So like, it's a very great area for me because I'm like, obviously I know what it was was wrong, but I'm like, oh, like. I don't know, man, it's weird, but yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, yeah, strange, very strange times. But he's kind of like, you know, okay, I'm getting flashbacks, this is strange. And so they take some of his clothing and they test it forensically, right? Uh, and so this is how the cases kind of collide because they basically say to Kim, like, this sounds very similar to another case, so we're going to fast track uh, the results. And so it made me just think, okay, so if it wasn't very similar to another case, then when would the results have come out? They would have been eaten in the calf, black pudding. I know what the order would have been. Two sausages, black pudding, grilled beans, um, beans on tomato, toast. baked beans, fry, two fried eggs. Like, they can fuck off. Oh, and fried bread. Sunny side up. They can fuck off with <laughs> this shit, man. So the results come back positive. So Sanaga's DNA is found on the inner part of the underwear of the second right. victim. And it's like the only way that it would get there would be with sexual contact. Right. And we know yeah. there has not been consensual sexual contact because this guy, even if he had consented... He was not conscious, so he was not able to consent. So yeah. now we have you two... lie, you lie, right? You lie to me. So now we have two confirmed victims, um, but they know that there are more. And during this documentary, which I love, that like, it's such a great documentary. Like we get um, these like time cards, which kind of show us the day, the investigation day, and like how many confirmed confirmed victims there are. So. Right now, it's investigation day four, and there are 16 confirmed victims, mm. which is wild. Wild, yeah. That is more than a football team. So there are so many videos, right? So many videos. And this, um, Natalie tells us... Working in the sexual offences unit, you get lots of reports of rapes, but seldom do you ever actually see one happen in front of your own eyes. You're always trying to figure out whether it did happen or whether it didn't. In this case... It definitely did happen, and we were watching them all play out in front of us as well. And it's just like, I don't know what they pay these people to do, but it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's it's just not enough. Yeah. It can never be enough. It can never be enough. To watch, like, yeah. Honestly. They find over three terabytes of pictures and videos, um in what's his name Sanaga's possession and so we meet DCIZA here Ali and I really like him because he's like so that didn't mean anything to me so I had to ask the tech team um uh, and they basically said that it's um one terabyte is over 250,000 photos so basically 250 DVDs and Sanaga had three terabytes so what 750,000 photos maybe less than that in some videos but that is wild that's obscene what of rapes and of, of victims obscene. 
like all 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 of all three of those terabytes yeah represent the sadistic things that you have done nature is that not wild like how how much do you need to remember like do you even have the time to go through all of these images that you've yes i think it's just more about like violating the victims further I just, I just like it. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. You're just like, how can someone be so sick? Mhm. Mhm. Very wild. Like this documentary was actually disgusting. Uh, what? Well, not the documentary. The documentary was great. The, the this guy. So he's been doing this for years, like years. Like it started in two thousand seven. It's like he came to Manchester to do this. Like, do we even know what his uh his history is in Indonesia and why they sent him all the way here? Because. He's been there for 10 years. This case basically came to light in 2017 and he started in 2007 on a Nokia with like some photos, grainy videos. And then 2014 comes along, he gets an iPhone and starts to record more things. Before the iPhone, he has like 15 to 20 victims a year. So maybe averaging one and a bit a month. Um, And then the iPhone comes out and it gets up to 60 victims every year i wonder what it was about the iphone it's because you have better videos you can take videos and stuff oh i guess he was probably still offending at the same rate it's just now he has yeah and there's no people and like the videos you can take on a nokia the photos you can take on a nokia are shit like do you even know what it is they're even looking at kind of thing you really don't know what you're looking at it's just a a, a, a color palette literally no there's no definition at all so then he gets the iphone and he can take better videos and stuff that's probably when the terabytes started racking up because good lord knows you can't save anything on a Nokia. So in 2017, he's arrested in June and there's like hella victims. We get another time card. So it's investigation day 22. And at this point, there are 83 confirmed victims. Wild. So Kim is telling us how they had to travel all over the country and even overseas to basically visit the victims. Like they have to identify them from the videos and also from the pictures that he saved and like the the passports and ID cards and stuff like that. And then basically visit them. And some of them didn't even know that they had been assaulted. Um, And she's saying how... It's, it's, it was a really strange position for them to be in because usually people are coming to them to say, look, this is what's happened to me. I've been raped. Mm. But now she's going to their, to people to say, look, like, you've been raped. Um, majority of the victims are working age. Most of them are straight. Some of them were gay. Um, and the thing they have in common is they can all remember the night because it was just a weird night. It was strange. Like, mm. they may not necessarily remember the specifics, but there's always a blackout. And then they remember waking up the next day. Um, yeah, with some man they don't remember. Yeah, they but sometimes they would say like when they would mention Sinago, like his name or whatever, or I guess maybe see a picture of him. I don't know, but they would say, oh, like you know, he took care of me when I was drunk, and I remember him. Like you know, he just kind of was trying to make sure I was okay. And so Dorothy says, and at that point you sit there and you you're going to tell them what somebody has done to that somebody has raped them. Now, chances are their life is not going to be the same again, ever. Ever, ever, ever. And you you do have to think, would I want to know? Are you better off not knowing? Are you better off just, you know, going through the rest of your life not knowing? Um, are you better off going through life not knowing? And, like, we kind of touched on this earlier. Like, I'm going to be so honest with you. Like, I would rather not know. I would really rather not yeah, know. Yeah, same. The only thing I think is that, like, say, for example, you are having flashbacks where you kind of, like, think, like, oh, that was weird. Like, what the hell was that? Like, maybe knowing kind of... It's like you can't Helps gaslight you feel yourself. like you're not crazy. Yeah. yeah, it makes you kind of think, like, okay, so this actually happened. And then you can heal and move on from that because it's not to say that knowing you're a victim of rape or being a victim of rape means your life is over. Like, it actually doesn't mm-hmm. mean that. It just means that you kind of have to work to, I guess, heal through that or deal with that. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, I don't know, like, having your job being to go and tell someone, living their life, moved on from it, maybe doesn't even remember the night, you know, unless yeah. it's brought up that they've actually been a victim of rape. And it's then you can't world. even just say, they can't even just say like, oh no, you've got the wrong person, that's not me. Because then they'll turn around and say, well actually, there's a video of it. So it definitely happened. Like, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's such a fucked situation. So we go from Manchester to Hastings, where we meet uh, probably my favourite person in this documentary. His name is Daniel. Um, he was born in London and he moved to Hastings when he was 16. He hates it because obviously he's not London and also he's gay and he's like people weren't as accepting of him being gay in Hastings as they were in um, London. So he moves to Manchester, uh, which 
again, even more of an upgrade, uh, and describes it as a mini London, which is exactly how I described it. Like, when I was living there, I was like, it's London, it's smaller, it's cheaper, and it's better vibes. Like, literally, Manchester is has my heart forever. So they go out for his birthday, and this just makes me so sad that they literally go out for his birthday. Like, yeah. that means there is literally a stamp on when this happens to you. Like, obviously, there yeah, always will be, but every, every time it's your birthday, you know that this yeah. time, however many years ago, this thing happens to you, which is just so, yeah. like... So they go out, they drink a lot, um, which is, like, standard. They're going out. We're British. We're alcoholics, right? And it's what accepted. But God forbid you smoke weed. <laughs> um, so they drink a lot. They go out. They go to a friend's house. They're drinking there. And then they kind of leave. And Daniel's waiting for a cab. He's with his boyfriend. They're waiting for a cab. And he needs to go to the toilet. So he just goes to, like, an alleyway and pees. And, like, that's the last thing he remembers. The last thing he remembers is him going to the alleyway and peeing. And that's it. And we see CCTV, actually, of, like, Sinaga, like, kind of, like walking around and stuff because we find out he literally stalks these men like where he lives is on that busy street princess street where there's loads of bars and clubs and stuff and he kind of just like looks for what they call the stragglers or like you know drunks who maybe have lost their friends or like someone's gone for a smoke and this is so alien to me how do you lose your friends drunk right. like this is it's so wild yeah, this is why as a woman. Say, yeah yeah yeah, guys like they just i mean and this is the thing like if this documentary teaches you nothing else it's like men are dangerous to men as well <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. like when we're talking about oh yeah men are so dangerous men are trash whatever whatever like cool yeah cool maybe we overdo it sometimes but like they're actually a danger to each other as well as to ourselves so yeah like take care of each other man honestly <laughs> and also hold each other to account um, but i don't think uh, what's his name sanaga even had friends to hold him to account so that one is a whole other story but yeah, I mean, we get into that a bit later, right? So he would see people and basically, like, you know, um, pretend to help them, you know, like he doesn't look like a threat at all, especially if you're a guy. Like, I'm a woman and this guy does not look threatening, so imagine more, like, how much more a guy. Um, so again, we find out he's an eternal student, he's been studying since 2007, funded by rich parents. As we said before, he did a master's and he's doing a PhD. And he moving like Lynn from Girlfriends, like literally just like studying, 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 studying. Eternal student, I told you. Yeah, you don't want to come and do job. You want to just study, 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 study. Okay. If it's me, I'd be like, it's enough. You've read enough. That's what I think. I think that maybe his parents saw some deviance or some nonsense with him. I'd be like, you know what? That's it. Off you go. Go and just be somewhere else and study. Don't come and disgrace the family name. And they yeah. can afford to pay international fees for 10 years. Yeah. International fees for 10 years. That's crazy. That's crazy rich Asians, boy. So we're back with Daniel and he's telling us how he wakes up on a couch. He's fully dressed, but he feels groggy. He's like, he thinks it's a hangover, but like, it's not the same, right? He can't really remember anything and it's just, he feels a bit weird. And then he sees... um feet walking around and it's kind of like oh god like what happened last night who is this you know what's going on and um when the person leaves the room he basically grabs his stuff and runs out the door so he's really concerned with what his boyfriend's gonna think because like when you look at the situation they're waiting for a cab it's mad he's gone missing he can't remember anything how do i even begin to explain What's going on? But I do think it's peak that the boyfriend was like, oh, like, yeah, you've cheated. Like, even if you're going to cheat, you're not going to, like, in that... It's not going to be that vibe. Like, he, obviously something, like, happened to him. Or I'd be more concerned with where did you sleep? Like, what the hell? Yeah, but to be fair, the way he says it, like, his boyfriend was kind of worried. He was kind of like, whoa, like, where, where were you kind of thing? And then, like, yeah. you see he's alive and he's okay. And then you're like, okay, did you cheat on me? But it's like, how could you have cheated? You literally were waiting for a cab together. He went to pee. That's what, what I'm was saying. What was he going to do? Quickie in the alley and then come back? And then what? Fam, it doesn't was that make... even the set? Is that the setup to cheat? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but then, obviously, he knows he hasn't cheated because he's not that guy. But, like, he can't explain where he was like i cannot even tell you where i've been i've been missing for this long like i can see why it seems suspect but boy i don't know what to tell you yeah yeah um so daniel doesn't want to report it to the police he feels dumb and he's blaming himself and again like guys it's never your fault like it's never your fault it's the fault of the people doing the bad thing do you know what i mean um people aren't reporting because it's it's kind of like what do i say hey i went out i got drunk i blacked out i don't know what happened like Okay, and right. it happens to, like, once once or twice a week to everyone. Like, Literally. Yeah, whatever, yeah. So Kim is saying that female victims are far more likely to report something like this than men, which um makes a lot of sense because female victims are 
more likely to experience something like this. Uh, and I guess there is that there's more chance that they will be sympathised with um, than mm. maybe men would be. So Daniel does eventually tell the police. And he says that he could see that the detective recognised him when she said, like, you, you know, you know what I mean? When you meet someone and they look at you mm. like they know you. Um, and we know yeah. now that that's because of the video. Um, yeah. And Daniel, like, oh, God bless his little consorts. Like, he's crying. Um, he's yeah. In the interview, he's crying as he tells us this. Like, it's really, really sad. Yeah. Like, they show them photos of him and he's kind of like, oh, no, I don't think that's me, actually. And then he sees one where you can see his tattoos. And it's like, mm. okay, it's really sad because you're seeing yourself in this position. And even though you don't remember it happening, you know that it happened. And yeah, you and now you know have that you. memory of it happening because of the photo. And he says to us, like... It's just horrible to see yourself that vulnerable on photos that someone else has taken and, you know, and and you can see, like, I'm comatose. Like, it's horrible to see. I look dead. Like, like that is so... Because just imagine it being you, like, seeing, like... It's like, you know, even when you're, like, waved and stuff and, like, people have videos of you, like, your friends have videos of you and stuff, you don't remember. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, you don't even remember doing, like, oh, hey, I'm so gassed, da, da, da. And in a good vibe, don't even remember the fact that you were, like, out here twerking, yeah? Imagine that, but, like, morbid, worse, sad. Yeah. And it's like, you just see yourself Looking being violated. Dead, yeah. yeah. It's so sad that my heart really breaks for Daniel. Like, he, I don't know if you guys listened to the last episode when we played the trailer. It's his voice that you heard in the trailer. Um, saying that, you know, people were saying to him, like, you know, it's good if you do the documentary and everything, but you shouldn't show your face. And he was like, no, like, I'm going to show my face because people are, you know, they have this negative stigma around being um, a victim of rape and stuff. And, like, especially as a man, and it's, like, it's not your fault. And I think people mm. have this view that, like... Because they mentioned earlier that, you know, most of the victims are straight and um, some of them were gay. They have this stigma that, like, oh, because he's gay, like, it's not as bad um, him being mm. raped as, you know, if a straight man were raped. Which I think is such a fucking stupid concept because as a straight woman, if you are raped by a man, it doesn't make it any better. Like, you're yeah. still violated and that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. I feel so bad for Daniel, man, honestly, like... But I'm also so proud of him at the same time. Like, I just... <laughs> it's, yeah. I I think it was... I mean, I can't say it was the right thing to show his face because that's, like, a personal decision. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't have been the wrong thing to not, but it's strength and it's amazing that he came out and said that and hopefully encourages, like, other victims, yeah. even not just of Sonaga, but of other people to, to come forward because there's no stigma. Like, it's not your it's fault. It's not your so, fault. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's not your fault. Um, yeah, so it's investigation day 58, and there are... Guys, guess how many confirmed victims there are. I'm going to give you a minute to, to to think about it. So last time, there were... It was day 22, there were 83 confirmed victims, right? Mm. Now it's day 58, and there are, drumroll, 112... Uh-huh. Oh, sorry, my bad. 112 confirmed victims. Do you know how mad that is? That's crazy. This, this is, is why he didn't want to work. He wanted to be doing student because in between lectures, this was his plan. Sam. No way you could be working and be up to these shenanigans. Impossible. Impossible can't. 112. Fam. So one of the talking heads who is called Lisa Waters, she works at the Sexual Assault Referral Centre. She makes a pretty good point. The trauma that the men experienced wasn't necessarily the sexual assault because they couldn't remember that. It was being visited by the police and being told what had happened to them and also being told that there's video footage of you being assaulted and that was really difficult for people to um, accept. It's kind of like raw, like there's so many layers to... It's like raping them twice. Right, right, right. That's proper sad. So Sonaga goes on trial on the 1st of June 2018, which is nearly a year to the date that the 18-year-old victim rightfully beat him up, right? So now we meet Ian Simeon, who is um, a prosecutor. And he's a prosecutor, so he has to watch all these rape videos. And so he kind of tells us that there are... When Sonaga's uh, raping... um, Yeah, raping, because that's what it is... 
he mm. there are like shots of him filming himself as he rapes people and then what ian describes as like close-ups of the rape itself right so ian says you know he had to be convicted for what he'd done um i cared about the result like i really did care and i get that but it also made me think Ian. so do you normally not care about yeah the results of your case like, oh, it's just women or what is it right. right is it that you normally don't care or is it that men are being raped here and so now you feel that you are some sort of compassion or because you see yourself in the victim because i was like he was just all round. like something about him did not rub me the off, right way like off. he gave me really smelly vibes off so off honestly i literally was just like yeah he had off. a lot of makeup on as well yeah very off i literally and i watched this twice and i had the same visceral reaction to this guy i was just like there's just something my my spirit doesn't take <laughs> i can imagine the kind of guy he is and yeah i like it um so we learned that sanaga would find his victims on facebook so not that he would find them on facebook to to rape them but after raping them he'd search them on facebook and save photos of them even while they were unconscious in his flat and then he would tell his friends abroad about these relationships, you know. And he's one of those guys that tries to brag about turning straight men gay, which I think is very, very stupid because if a man is attracted to you and sleeping with you, then at the very least he's bisexual. So you're not turning him anyhow, like, literally. Yeah. He and might it, just be bisexual and not explored his... Exactly, like, exactly. So or he's gay and he it. just wasn't ready to come out yet. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you, you, didn't, you didn't have the power to now take a straight guy and make him gay. Like, who do you think you are, mate? Like, like these men think their dicks are golden. They, I don't know. Honestly. But even in any case, yeah, whether they were gay, straight, bisexual, whatever, yeah, this was rape. So no one even consented to anything with you so you come to tell your friends that you know this is a relationship or you did this this and this is very very ridiculous and he's saying yeah. stuff like oh yeah he was straight until we woke up naked sorry okay sort it out bro like sort it out love very ridiculous um so now it's investigation day 365 so we've been at this for a year now and there are 183 confirmed victims this is insane. Like, this is actually insane. Like, I was watching the documentary, like, what the fuck? What is going on? Not yeah. 183 charges, 183 individual victims. Like, it's even like, how did he get away with this for so long? How did he find the time? Those are not hands in assignments. <sighs> Meeting one deadline here and there just to get by. And where was he getting the... Anyway... So they charged Sanaga with 159 counts of rape and other sexual offences. And when they said this, I said, I love this song. Like, this is the largest number against a single defendant in British criminal history. 48 victims agreed to give evidence in court. And because there are so many victims, they have to spread the case across four trials. And he pleads not guilty to every charge, which I mean... Fair. I mean, as a strategy, why not? Because if you plead guilty, then you're definitely going down. If you plead yeah. not guilty, then they have to now find evidence. There is, uh, and there's it's a possibility. All over yeah, there's a possibility that you could be set free, especially in this godforsaken land. So, um, yep. so they do this thing. I didn't know it was possible, but they call a blanket ban on reporting until the fourth trial. Like, I guess to control the media. Oh yeah, I didn't know. And I'm like, possible. okay, well, if you could do that, why don't they do that more often? But okay, quite literally. Right. So Sanaga's defense is that they all agreed to come to his house. They all agreed to have sex with him and lie still and make no sound because that was his fantasy. And he talks about like Fifty Shades of Grey. And he's kind of like, yeah, but just because it's not normal to you doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Which is like, that would make sense if you're talking about swinging or bondage or like some other kind of kink. But like at the end of the day, this is rape. Okay. And rape is not, the rape is a crime. Okay, so it's yeah. kind of like, you can't come and try and act like, oh, just because it's not normal to you doesn't mean it's not normal. Rape is not normal. It's not normal. And it's still illegal and the other person's not consenting. So, so this isn't about what's normal. It's about, bro, what you're doing is... All your fantasy yeah. is wrong and criminal, honestly. Um, I just thought, you know, because this was a jury trial and I was just like, imagine being on the jury for this. Like, imagine having to watch all of that. I hope I get an interesting case if I'm ever asked. Hmm? I said, I hope I get an interesting case if I'm ever asked. Uh, yeah, I've never been called for jury duty. My mum said she had... I don't know how she... I can't remember how she said she dodged. But she dodged. Yeah, I've never been... I've never been... Um, so now we get into what he's drugging them with, which I was really interested in, because it's like, mate, like, how? How? And because, honestly, yeah, if this guy was doing this without drugs, there is no way... You see how the other guy whooped his ass, bruv? 
the other guy the other guy flogged him flogged him he would have been dead he would have been dead they would have flogged him tirelessly (laughs) he would have been dead like honestly like honestly buried this this guy is not about it about it at all so there must be drugs involved yeah so they conclude that what they're what he's drugging them with is ghb which is clear it's tasteless it's odorless and it worked within 15 minutes and it renders you motionless um it's hard to know it's there unless you get a sample uh when they've had the drug because it leaves the system within eight hours which is Mm. like the amount of time you're asleep for um and it's crazy because i'm like how did he get this and then i thought oh maybe whatever he's been doing his degrees in maybe it's like a science kind of thing but this nigga studying mm. geography i'm like they ain't got no ghb in geography lecture rooms because but like you can buy spanish fly on amazon no yes i don't know what i was looking for the other day not the other day it was a while ago and then it came up like you can buy spanish fly so what more stop it yeah i'll send you well, a link but yeah I don't want to buy a Spanish please to the FBI agent. I just agent. want to show you that it was possible. To the FBI yeah. agent listening to this. <laughs> I don't I mean they can tell from our conversation now. Yeah. Yeah, well. But yeah, so they reckon it's GHB, right? Um so they find this audio recording of Sinaga with the victim. So essentially, yeah, they have to prove that um Sinaga is actually drugging these guys and there is no consent and you know they they have actually been raped. That's what the prosecutor has to prove. So they find these audio recordings of Sinaga with the victim and they're like just, you know, doing small talk, small talk. And Kim is like, it's so wild because you can literally hear over the, the length of the recording how this guy is just just falls off basically like it doesn't make any sense Mm. like she says like you know he he goes from talking to you as i'm talking to you now to just like slurring his words and then just stop speaking um Mm. and ian tells us that it's the absence of consent or even talk about sex in these recordings that is vital and proves that he's lying Ian said something weird because he was like there's no conversation about are you gay like and i'm like what the fuck does are you gay have to do with consent like it was just an unnecessary comment like yeah i think i think yeah that guy yeah but he it literally just basically like in the conversations yeah he's basically just talking to um he's talking to the 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 victims like about just nonsense like small talk like oh so what course are you doing how are you finding uni blah 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 basically until they like pass out and then he rapes them so what the audio recording doesn't show is them there's no flirting there's no oh hey like i'm down to do this or like oh let's do this or like not even kissing nothing there's nothing sexual on the thing so how can you then turn around and say that yeah you consented exactly exactly so um, he gets jailed for life with 30 years minimum. He's found guilty on all 159 charges. Amen. So we're nearing the end of the documentary now. And one of the reporters is saying that as women, the threat of rape is always there. Like you're out late, you clock someone behind you. Like in your mind, you're thinking, okay, this guy could actually like try and rape me or whatever. But men don't really mm-hmm. have that. And that's why people still can't believe this even happened to the extent that it did. And that's probably why yeah. it even happened to the extent that it did. Because like, guys, you're not, you're not, looking over your shoulder kind of thinking thinking, oh you know um this could happen to me so on-screen text tells us they extend his minimum sentence from 30 years to 40 years which i love i think that's amazing i love that song i love that i love that for us and so the doc ends with daniel and his dad fishing right and it's just really Mm. cute like he's really nervous to tell his dad because he not because he thought that the dad would be angry or anything but he thought that it'd really break his heart which i mean it would break my heart if that happened to my child It'll break any parent's heart. Honestly. And so he says that his dad's response was amazing. And, you know, he talks to his dad about everything and how he had counselling, but speaking to his dad just really helped him. And his dad Mm. is just so cute. Like, he's just so lovely. Um, And so the last thing we see is on-screen text, which says, within three days of Reynard Sanaga's conviction being made public, the police received over 150 calls and a further 26 victims were identified. Officers believe at least 60 victims are yet to come forward. And I hope that for every further victim, they added more years. Because honestly, yeah. like, he this man, is, like, pro- when, when we say prolific, yeah, this man is this a is prolific it. rapist. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'd never heard of that case before, but... Um, and it's fairly recent. It, what do you think about yeah, the documentary? Yeah, it was, it was very shocking. But again, it just shows that, like, if a few things hadn't happened they wouldn't have caught him and he would still be in these streets literally and how many so, hundreds more people would be 
Yeah, guys, it's a really good documentary. Yeah. I would really recommend watching it. Like, everything was relevant. Yeah, I think you should. And it made a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah. And everything in it was necessary. Literally, everything was necessary. That's why this is a Netflix, longer episode. Take note. No, no shade, but shade. <laughs> Honestly. Um, but yeah, so now it's time for... The real crime, I think, was the beard. Our segment where we focus on something during the documentary that may not be criminal, but we definitely consider to be a crime. Do you want to go first or should mm-hmm. I go first? I'll go first. Go so, what was his name? Ian what? Simkin. Simkin. Uh, that was mine as well, actually. His name is... Yeah, he was wearing a hell of a lot of makeup. Ian Simeon. He was wearing a hell of a lot of makeup, contoured to the gods. That was the crime. <laughs> like, why are you wearing all this makeup? Why are your lips so paper thin? My, like... uh, mine was also... So there were two crimes. My two crimes. Three, actually, because mine was also Ian. Um, and, like I said, like, He's a prosecutor, fine, but he really needs to work on, like, what he's saying. So the first one that I mentioned earlier was him being like, you know, he um he really cared about the result, and I'm like, okay, do you not normally care about the result of your rape cases? And then he also said Literally. like, oh yeah, you know, I've worked serious rape cases before, and I'm like, which rape case is not serious, please? Which one is not serious? Yeah, oh, it was just a little bit of rape. Literally, I was a like, which, which rape? I this guy, like, I just yeah. It's so funny how he was it for both of us. But yeah, that's three. Three strikes and he's out. He is O-U-T. But yeah, man. What are we doing next? I know. Look at your eyes, man. So you wanted to do the Stacey Dooley Homeless documentary. So I typed in Stacey Dooley Homeless documentary and I found Homeless in Detroit. Is that the one? Can we just say we're doing a Stacey Dooley documentary, but we will revert as to what? There'll be a trailer. But is, that, is it not the homeless one? I don't know if that's the one Kingsley wants okay, us to do. Okay, ask Kingsley because he needs to really sort it out because you won't stop harassing us about this Stacey Dooley's documentary. I will ask. Okay. Well, once we find out from Kingsley, we will uh, insert trailer here. In the meantime... It's been a long-ass day. I'm tired. Between time, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, at Two Girls One Doc. On TikTok, it's Two Girls One Doc Podcast. Hopefully, actually, we'll have some content on there because we're meeting up. So that'll be a great. Soon, um, guys, you know where to find me. I, I haven't finished. Even, yeah, you can email oh, us Two Girls One Doc at gmail dot com. Send us your reviews, your requests, mm-hmm. any documentaries you think we would enjoy. I would love mm-hmm. uh, some requests because you know sometimes it just be hard trying to find what it is to talk about. You know, um, that's true. We can find Four Rands on Instagram and Twitter. Four Rands with two underscores and also on her mm. other podcast character replay Ew. um oh, but yeah good. the trailers the trailer will be uh oh did you do nails are these acrylics yeah I these are the shortest i've ever seen your nails before no they were shorter than this before were they yeah what is this on the edge so what do they paint the edge they paint it yeah it's like french tip so how long does it take to do then it took quite a long time well, not yeah. quite, not not like a long time. But longer it just than normal. Took longer than normal. Yeah. Do you know when I went to do my nails? Yeah, some girl was drying her nails with the air dryer. Bam! A girl was. That's why I tweeted that tweet. A girl was drying her nails, and I wanted to say to her, "Do you not have any self respect?" It's not even self respect. I place. just think to myself, "Do you not have anything to do? Like, are you jobless? Because why are you sacrificing this time to dry?" That's part your... of the self respect. Because if you respected your own time, you wouldn't be doing that. That's so wild. In this know. day and age, and like. There's back in the day. There's no time I ever left after drying my nails that they didn't smudge. smudge they yeah. always smudge. Yeah. So what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? I literally saw it. I was just like, I even meant to message that time when I sent the picture of my nails. I meant to say like, wow, this woman was really sitting under the dryer. There's always embarrassed. one, you know, because they still have. She those wasn't even wearing a mask. So I can see her face. One. You're not embarrassed. You should have covered your face. There's always one. There's always one. Very strange behavior. But anyway. That's it then for today, isn't it? All right then. It's been real. It's been Toodles. Real. Bye. Life itself is stressful as it is. Mm-hmm. I call life a schizophrenic being. You know, because it's ups and it's downs. Everybody keep telling me God got a plan, but why do I have to go through the shit I go through? If you're homeless in Detroit, you've a higher risk of dying on the streets than in any other city in the United States. I cry many nights. Like, what am I going to do? 
Homeless people here are surviving in a city that's seen more than its fair share of troubled times. Over the last 50 years, Detroit has gone from being one of the richest cities in the US to being the largest to ever declare bankruptcy, with debts of over $18 billion. The sheer scale of the city's decay means there are now around 70,000 abandoned buildings, and Detroit is struggling to support its population. Oh, my God. Hold out. Neighborhood don't even look the same. Services are being pushed to the limit to help the almost 20,000 homeless people living here. I've arrived during the coldest winter the city has seen for over 20 years to meet the young people living on the streets, to see where they live. Wow, this is like a proper family home. We're back, girls. Move back. Oh, my God. And what they do to survive. Hi, baby. <laughs> oh, he's really trying to date? Yeah, don't, don't come home. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. You take this every night.